This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Friends. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. We've been talking about this text by Dogen called Universally Recommended Instructions for Zazen. I think this is our eighth time. We'll probably finish tonight. We could spend a lot more time, but maybe we get a taste. I've been thinking about it this week as we, because I've seen the end. And thinking about how In a lot of ways, this is a terrible set of instructions for Zazen. He has another text. It's, it's just called Instructions for Zazen. It's really good. It's kind of technical. It's much shorter. It says, this is how you sit. This is what the room should be like. It's very, very clear. But that one always gets second billing. This is the one that we read. This is the one that gets chanted in a lot of monasteries. It's the one that we go back to over and over and over again, and yet he keeps talking about dragons, and he's talking about tigers. and It's, it's not a set of instructions in the way that we might expect. I think, I imagine that when Dogen sat down and wrote this, that he felt particularly inspired. And he wanted other people to feel inspired, not just to have a set of things to check with their posture. But to feel some sense of possibility. And I know that I succumb to this as well, and sometimes as I'm coming here, and I'm, I'm going over what I might say later in the evening. I'm, there's always a part of me that hopes that someone will feel inspired. And, and yet, if you were to ask me there in the car, inspired to do what? That's very difficult for me to answer. I don't have a sense that I, I want you to leave here feeling that there's this thing that you should do. But I want, and, and I, I think that this is what Dogen wants, is for anyone who comes through here to feel the sense of, of possibility that the deepest truth of your life is what you're experiencing right now. That's what he keeps talking about. He even goes out of his way more than once to say, I'm not really just talking about sitting. (laughs) I don't know why he named this what he did. It's completely misleading. There are three more paragraphs. Dogen writes, In general, in our world and others, I love this about Buddhism, by the way, There's always this acknowledgement of the possibility of other worlds. 
Not an absolute assertion that they're there, but maybe. <laughs> If aliens land, the people least surprised will be the Buddhists. He says, in our world and others, in both India and China, India and China, from the perspective of someone in Japan at the time, being the world, you know, all equally hold the Buddha seal. While each lineage expresses its own style, they are all simply devoted to sitting, totally blocked in resolute stability. I love this phrase. It's not just stability, it's, it's stability that's chosen. It's not just like you spin a top, right? Everyone, he says, has this same fundamental truth. And everyone expressing it is doing so on purpose. They're making a choice. Although they say that there are 10,000 distinctions and a thousand variations, they just wholeheartedly engage the way in Zazen. So you can chant this or that. And you can wear these kinds of crazy robes, or you can wear a completely different set of crazy robes. And you can have this hairstyle, or you can have another hairstyle. Right? And you can paint this place with orange and red and yellow, or you can paint it black. But when you sit down and you hold your body just this way, and you breathe in just this way, and you put your thumbs together in just this way, You are meeting everyone who is doing that in the same place. The rest is window dressing. Why leave behind the seat in your own home to wander in vain through the dusty realms of other lands? This is the second time he's asked this in this text. And again, He's asking this as someone who did it, who went to China. He's saying, you don't have to go anywhere. And even says your own home. You don't even have to open the door. That said, I want you to come here. But still. And then this great statement, he says, if you make one misstep, you stumble past what is directly in front of you. So much is said here. When we hear this, we ask ourselves, if we're paying attention, what is directly in front of me right now? 
And am I seeing it? How many times have I seen it? How much of my life have I spent not seeing it? He's telling us, and I'll read it again. If you make one misstep, you stumble past what is directly in front of you. First of all, he's saying that what is directly in front of you is what matters. And then he's saying, just because it's right in front of your eyes doesn't mean that you will notice. It doesn't mean that you will engage. I love that he uses the word stumble because we can relate, we understand tripping, right? You can be walking and feeling really good about the world. You can be feeling expansive. You can be feeling creative. You can be walking past a pond and thinking, oh, ducks. <laughs> right. And then you trip. <laughs> and in the moment that you trip, your world condenses to the, the exact dimensions of your body. You contract completely in that moment. And all you can think about is you. <laughs> You go from this wide field of vision to, wah! Right? And the ducks are gone. And the creativity is gone. The expansiveness is gone. And your life becomes very, very small. And Dogen is asking us to consider if maybe that's what we're doing all the time. Is it possible that we are tripping all the time? And if you want to test this, sitting down is a very good way to do it. Not just sitting in the way that we do here, but sitting down. When you see something beautiful and you want to look at it, sit down to look at it and notice how in that action, in that choice, you take away this momentum that you carry in your body to just keep going. It's a very different experience to choose to be right here and to really look, not in passing, not on your way to somewhere else, but because this is what is in front of you. He continues, continues, you have gained the pivotal opportunity of human form. In, in a traditional Buddhist context, so we don't talk about it very much in Zen. You know, the idea is you could have been born as anything. It could have gone really differently for you. Right. And that if you look at the great uh, array of organisms in the world, right? We make up such a tiny, tiny proportion, right? When you think there are however many thousands of, of kinds of beetles, you get to live your life in this way. You get to notice your life in a way that only people do. And then he says, 
And I think you can always hear when people chant this, that this one gets a little more traction. He says, do not pass your days and nights in vain. Do not waste your life. You get this one chance. Somebody will say you get more than one chance, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say you get one chance. And that doesn't mean that we have to think, oh, I have to do something great. We can start with just saying to ourselves, don't miss it. Don't not notice this. He writes, who would take wasteful delight in the spark from a flint stone? I laughed the first time I read this text because I grew up with the Flintstones. And this, as far as I know, this is the only thing I've ever read that actually talks about Flintstones. Who would take wasteful delight in the spark from a Flintstone? You can picture this. You just have a Flintstone and nothing to burn. And you just sit there and make sparks. This is precisely the amount of energy, precisely the amount of effort that it takes to actually ignite something. That is how he's describing wasting your life. You're taking the same number of breaths and the same number of steps and missing the point. So ignite something. Besides, form and substance are like the dew on the grass. The fortunes of life like a dart of lightning, emptied in an instant, vanished in a flash. So you don't have time. And then we get to the conclusion. He says, please, please, honored followers of Zen. He really wants you to hear this. So he's talking to you really nicely. Long accustomed to groping for the elephant. This is the image of, of right, people touching different parts of an elephant, but they can't recognize that it's an elephant. So they only recognize the body part. The leg feels like a, like a palm tree. The tail feels like something else. The trunk feels like something else. They don't see what it is that they're encountering. He says, honored followers of Zen, long accustomed to groping for the elephant, do not doubt the true dragon. And we've talked about this story before. There was a man in China who loved dragons. He loved them. And he collected dragon figurines, and he had dragon paintings, and he read all the books about dragons, and he knew. He was the expert. He was the guy you would ask about dragons. And a dragon heard about him and thought, I've got to meet this guy 
He's really into dragons. <laughs> he will love this. And he showed up and he stuck his head right in the guy's window. And the guy came home and he looked and he saw the real dragon and he just passed out from fear. He had a story about what he was doing, but he couldn't. When he was faced with it, he couldn't go where he wanted to go. Do not doubt the true dragon. Devote your energies to the way of direct pointing at the real. Be a good bumper sticker. Revere the one who has gone beyond learning and is free from effort. Accord with the enlightenment of all the Buddhas. Succeed to the samadhi of all the ancestors. Again, the message is, it's not saying get out and do it. It's saying you can do this. The enlightenment, the, the whatever, the pie in the sky thing that we think we're looking for is not out there. It's not something that only someone else can have. It's available. It's always ever present, always ever available. Continue to live in such a way and you will be such a person. It's one of the best summing up statements of Zen that I've ever heard. You are what you do. And what you do is what you're offering. So offer what you think you should be offering. And that is who you will be. There's a phrase that's, that's said often in, in uh, Japan. It says, Igi soku buppo nari. Igi is dignified behavior. Soku means something that's none other than and buppo is the Buddha Dharma. So the dignified behavior is the Buddha Dharma itself. The way that you carry yourself in the world, that's how you're expressing yourself. the story you have in your head about what you wish you were saying is really, really secondary. No one's receiving that transmission. The transmission that you're actually sending is in how you're standing and in how you're looking and in how you're listening, in how you're speaking, in how you're sitting down, in whether you are right here or whether you're somewhere else. 
That's what you offer. And again, he's not scolding. He's saying, you can do this now. The treasure store will open of itself and you may enjoy it freely. That's the last line. Elsewhere, he uses a different image. He says that when you open your hand, the Dharma fills it. In either case, this idea of opening is so critical. To make yourself open, not to this teaching or to that teaching or to this idea or to that idea, but to just truly be open. Completely. If you can do that, he says, you'll find that there's nothing missing. Because if you're that open, there's nothing that's outside. Stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.